These four books, I think, are the really, really core because they're the fundamental tools and mindset you need to actually, you know, deal with the world we live in today and, and your career path. And if you don't have these four principles locked down and using them in an unconscious competence fashion, you're going to really struggle. I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 314, which features a conversation with Gerald Bonner. Gerald is managing director and co-founder of Corralling Chaos, a management consulting practice focused on creating authentic leaders and high-performing teams. Jeff and Gerald talk about four classic books that Gerald believes to be essential career resources. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey, So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport, Mindset by Carol Dweck, and Grit by Angela Duckworth. Jeff and Gerald spoke in June 2022. Now, Gerald, you've been on the podcast. This is your third time, and, and you reached out to us this time to say that you wanted to talk about four books that I'm assuming you have found very valuable in, in your career or in, or in helping the, the people that you work with. And so we're going to, we're going to dive in on four specific books, kind of classics. Uh, These are, these are well-known books, but I was thinking before we start talking specifically about those four books, I'd love to know more about how you view the role of books in general versus other types of resources in your own personal and professional learning mix. Cause we know, and we'll link to past episodes with you. One of the, the first ones we had with you was really your, your focus as a lifelong learner. You are a very committed, dedicated and structured sort of lifelong learner. So how do books fit in for you? How do you value books as part of your learning mix? Yeah. So that's a great question. So I value books in my learning mix because I'm going to give a caveat here, and it's probably going to not go well with audio listeners, (laughs) but I I think audio listeners are losing out of the learning process because if they're driving their car and they're walking down the street, they're not fully focused on what they're reading, right? So a voice is reading a story to them and giving them a caveat and giving them an antidote, but they got to watch the streets so they know where to turn. They got to watch their speed limit. They got to look at other cars. You know, they're thinking about, well, why am I going to the store? I hope I don't forget anything. And if somebody inter- uh, says something to them, they get interrupted and they, they lose that train of thought. With me, when I, I, I still read books, I mean, I go to the library and take books out of the library. I order some books off of Amazon and I sit down and I read them. And, I, and while I'm reading them, I have all these little sheets of paper. And when I see something really important, I tag the page. And then I go back and I take that note and I stick it into uh, my Evernote file for all the books that I'm reading. So when a client says to me, Gerald, you know, ABC, I can go that book, this book, that paragraph, this paragraph. Just recently, you know, related to some of the books that we're talking about, I just was reading The Hope Circuit by Martin Seligman, 
who is the leading psychologist on positive psychology. Positive psychology, yeah. Right. So you know, I'm reading his book, and in the you know in the middle of his book, he has this state. He has this program called the PERMA model, and in the PERMA model, when he teaches the PERMA model, he talks about teaching people about positive relationships. And then he was talking about a client and he's like, we're teaching our clients to build positive relationships. And I'm like, oh my God, building positive relationships is part of my, uh, one of my programs called Office Powers. And I have relationship powers and how do you build relationship power? So all of a sudden I was able to actually realize and tap into my unconscious competence and realize why did I come up with the relationship power as part of my office power model? Because it's been something I've been reading about in all my different books all across my learning journey. And now this great psychologist is actually said, yeah, this is what we teach people. And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've you know, that came to me as well as something that people need to learn. Uh, about relationship power and positive relationships. So being able to like come up with that and then realize that I came up with that because I read this his book and I saw the connection is pretty amazing because most of the time when we tap into our unconscious competence, we never really know we're doing it, right? And to know you're doing it says you're really connected to your unconscious. I think it's a great point. You know, so many ideas uh, and practices manage to sort of insinuate their way into your life because of what you've read. And as you're, I think, implying, often you're not conscious of that. It's it's just, it's kind of filtering its way in. And then eventually you may become conscious of it and and really make it part of your life and, and your practice. I think too, I mean, books in some ways may get a little bit of a bad rap because I think people view them as this kind of static thing, this, you know, passive artifact. But I mean, if you're really engaging with a book, if you're really using a book in the way it can be used, it's a very active thing because you will be like you're saying, you know, taking notes, whether that's by hand or clipping things and putting them in Evernote and other places. Hopefully you're going to go back and review books over time. You're talking about, you know, tagging those pages and things like that. I mean, I do that uh, all the time. And to encounter a, a book at different points in time can also just be a really eye-opening experience. I mean, because of your reaching out to me, I went back to these books that you mentioned, and, and most of them I hadn't read in a, in a very long time. And But I'm in a different place now, and I engage with that that content, that thinking now, and it, it reshapes it in, in a way that wouldn't have been possible the first time or the second time or the third time I read it. You know, I'm always going back to books and pulling new things from them. And not only that, so if, if we take Martin Silverman as the example or the anchor, you know, so I started off reading Martin's first book, Learn Optimism, before I went to China. And for the, your audience members that are hearing me speak for the first time, I spent 14 years there. And then I started reading about, then I started learning about Angela Duckworth and her grit book. And she talks about Martin. And now I'm reading Martin's book, Hope Circuit. And, and he talks about how Angela influenced him when she started to work for him and be in his programs. And then there's Sean Anker, who wrote The Happiness Advantage. He talks about Martin. So all of a sudden, it's kind of like a Marvel movie, right? You know, you got you got Iron Man. Well, Iron Man's not. Is Iron Man Marvel? I don't know. But you get my <laughs> I point, think he right? Is, yeah. <laughs> right? So you got Iron, you got, you got, 
you got how Iron Man came about, and then you figure out how, and then all of a sudden they introduce Spider-Man, then they introduce Thor, and you're like, and then you start to see how they all work together in the, in the just, in, you know. The, you get all the connections, the, yeah. Yeah, That's you nice. get all the connections. Well, when you start reading all these books by all these different people and you start getting the connections, it makes it really easy to, to stay in, you know, that's um, – that's your mental agor- algorithm making the connections and saying, stay on this path because you're really learning and you're, you're really growing and you're really having a lot of fun and you're able to use it. And kind of back to your statement about able to use it. I mean, now I, I take my book covers and I make presentations. I made a presentation to a client three weeks ago. And as I was getting towards the end, as I've learned about making presentations, I said, okay, the fun methodology is we're going to reference these three books and we're going to use the principles from these books to create fun and cult, uh, fun culture in your office. And then I, the next slide was we're going to use these three books on change methodologies to use the actual methodologies to, to make the transformation to creating a fun office. So all of a sudden I'm not just making a presentation saying and leaving my client wondering well, where are you getting this stuff from? You know, because a lot of times they say, well, what's your methodology? And I'm like, no, these books are my methodologies. Again, I've never seen anybody do it, but I've just learned through my years that, hey, showing the methodologies is important because that's what the client wants to know. So you, using those books as the anchors and showing them that these are the tools I'm going to use is really helpful. And you reached out with four specific books for the purposes of this podcast. And I'll, those were... The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, so the real classic by um, Stephen R. Covey, uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport, Mindset by Carol Dweck, and Grit by Angela Duckworth, all big sellers. Those are popular books. And I gather you're really you viewing those as sort of as essential career resources. Is that correct? And, and what makes these four books in your mind so essential as a career resource. And then maybe we can dive down into each one of them a little bit more specifically. These four books, I think are the really, really core because they're the fundamental tools and mindset you need to actually, you know, deal with the world we live in today and and your career path. And if you don't have these four principles locked down and using them in an unconscious competence fashion, you're going to really struggle. And I'll go into it as we go through the books. So from the four books, we know Covey came out first with the highly effective. Covey's seven habits are really important. The seventh one is, you know, sharpen the saw, which means don't stop, which kind of connects to grits a little bit because grit is don't give up. But grit is a little bit deeper on that, on that one part of continuous learning. And the last book in the four that I read was So Good They Can't Ignore You. And I had a friend in China recommend this book to me and I never found it and I never looked at it. And then it popped up and back to those connection things. It popped up in something I was reading or in an article I was reading where somebody said, hey, you should read this book or some podcast said, hey, you know, you should really read so good they can't ignore you. And I was like, I know this book. And then sure enough, when I looked at my Goodreads list, there it was listed as a, as a book I should read. And that's just the last book that I read. And it kind of filled, filled in a piece of the puzzle that I didn't realize was missing until I read it. And then Mindset, again, is something I've by Carol Dweck is something I've always been doing even before I read her book, because I've always been looking for the What's the, how can I leverage this and talk about it from a growth perspective? How can I always look for the bigger 
solution? How can I look for the bigger value solution? I'm always looking at what's the upside potential, not the risk. So if I, first I look at the upside potential and then I think about the risk. And then last but not least is Angela Duckworth's grit because you know I've, I, I see myself as a real gritty person and, and I've had to overcome diversity and roadblocks and all kinds of thwarting activities and, and situations in my life that prevented me from finding the path I wanted to be on until I finally found it. And, you know, when I, once I read Angela Duckworth's book, great, I realized, oh, that's because I have this competency. I don't let things get me down. You know, I have that passion and the perseverance and I don't give up. At Tagoras, we're experts in the global business of lifelong learning, and we use our expertise to help clients better understand their markets, connect with new customers, make the right investment decisions, and grow their learning businesses. We achieve these goals through expert market assessment, strategy formulation, and platform selection services. If you're looking for a partner to help your learning business achieve greater reach, revenue, and impact, learn more at tagoras.com services. Well, let's start with the the seven habits then. And it might actually be useful because I think probably a lot of listeners have possibly read this book, but it may have been a good while ago because it this, you know, it, it came out quite a while ago. So they may not remember what those seven habits actually are, or maybe they've just heard of this book and they know there are these seven habits, but they don't know what these seven habits are. So I'll actually just list them off real quick here um, as sort of a service to listeners. So one is be proactive. Two is begin with the end in mind. Three is put first things first. Four is think win-win. And I don't know, Covey was probably responsible for the whole win-win being such a, uh, <laughs> a, a term now in the business world. The fifth is seek first to understand and then to be understood. That might be one of my favorites there. Six is synergize. And then seven, as you've already mentioned, is sharpen the saw, which is definitely one of my favorites. Do you have particular habits that Covey's laid out that, that you value more than others? Or how, how do you think about these? Do you have to have the, the, the whole set of seven? Are there some that you would pull out here and say, you know, really focus in on this one or this one from a career standpoint? Yeah. So I would say the three that are most important is begin with the end in mind, first seek to understand, then be understood, and then shop in the saw. Those are, those are the three. Because if you don't begin with the end in mind, well, then you don't know where you're going. Right. And beginning with the end of the mind is also part of proactive, being proactive and, and choosing. And you see that come up a lot these days is, you know, it's your choice. And a lot of people, you know, one of the things I hear a lot of people say is people don't understand it, that they're always making choices. They just don't they don't think of the other choice when they think when they say no, they've actually made a choice. When they say yes, they've made a choice. Right. Like one of the clients I'm working with right now. You know, he wants his employees to come back to the office and him and his HR team haven't realized that that's part of the employer value proposition, just like anything else in the employer value prop in the list of things that are an employer value proposition. So if I want to work for a company that has a good 401 IRA plan and if they don't have one, I'm going to make the choice to self-select out of that company because they don't have a good 401. Right. So return to work is just another one of those options. Is it a hybrid? Is it must work? Is it, you know, work from only work from home? If it doesn't have, if I really, really am going to be an employee that says I will not go back to the office, then working for a company that has, says you got to be hybrid is not going to be a, comp- a good fit, right? 
it's almost self-selecting out. So then I think you can't have relationship power and you can't have success if you can't first listen to yourself and your wants and your needs and who you are and what makes you happy. If you don't know what you want to do, then you won't be able to listen to what other people want and you won't understand them either. Because if you can't understand yourself, you can't understand others. So, you know, that's why I love that part is I understand, A, I understand me so I can understand you and where's the mesh and where's the disconnect and then we can go on. I made a mission statement after reading this book and, you know, we had our first podcast was about my mission statement and well, kind of about my mission statement. It was more about the, the six competencies of success, but the six competencies of success came because of, because of the seven habits. So, you know, it's sharpening that saw understanding who I am, getting better and better and better in, in my mission statement. So I have my mission statement. I once heard somebody say that company made a quote that said, there's nothing worse than getting to the top of the mountain and realizing you're on the wrong mountain. And then there was another, a similar one that he said was, there's nothing worse than putting the ladder up and climbing the ladder and be, finding out you're on the wrong wall. Right. So, so, you, you know, you got to have your mission statement so you know where you're going and then you can put it all together. So if you don't have your mission statement, you don't know your, and especially in today's world where we talk about personal branding and, and employer branding and having a life with purpose and meaning, it, you can't go anywhere without those, without doing Stephen Covey because if you don't have your mission statement, you know, I, I was working with one client. And, you know, I asked uh, one of his management team members, so how do you all make decisions based on the mission of the company? And the person responded, I was like, I don't know the mission. So then I started asking the other managers I was coaching and four out of the six did not know the mission. And when I told the CEO, hey, you, you know, your employees don't know the mission. He's like, but we have one. I'm like, OK, you have one, but they don't know it. <laughs> right. So that kind of like and he's and then he told me that was the best thing. He said, having your service tell me that my team didn't know this was really valuable. Yeah, I imagine it's a pretty common thing, too. I think, too, you know, we were talking about the seven habits and focusing in on some of them, but I'd probably even pull back from there. And this might be a good segue into Cal Newport uh, as well. But just the fact that Covey talked about these as habits, I mean, these are things you have to cultivate and make a part of your life and your practice over time. And I don't know the business literature all that well at the time that Covey published, but I think he was probably one of the first people who really framed things that way. He said, you, you have to focus on your habits and develop these habits if you do not have them. And I say that's a good segue into Cal Newport because Cal with uh, the so good they can't ignore you thing. I, I, the myth he is trying to bust is the whole follow your passion thing that, you know, if you're just passionate about something, everything else is going to follow. And that's not really true from his perspective. It is about doing the work. It is essentially about, you know, developing the habits and the craftsman like craftsman like practices that are going to make you great at something. And then passion will follow um, or at least that's my read of Cal. How do how do you think about Cal and 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 so good they can't ignore you in this mix that we're talking about? So so I look at Cal and like I said, it was his book uh, and so good as the last piece of the puzzle that I that I had figured out without reading his book. And then I was like, oh, his book makes all the sense, and he fills in this blank. And then once I finished reading his book, I said, oh, there's the set right that that just came to me. So and so good, he talks about 
I, I agree. It, it kind of threw me for a trip as well when he said, no, you, following your purpose is wrong. But then as he goes through the book, he's actually saying your purpose is right, but you have to make sure it has an economic engine, which is what Jim Collins talks about in Good to Great, right? So, so mm-hmm. good is saying you can make great cookies, but if nobody wants to eat those cookies because, you know, it's, it's so loaded with gluten, <laughs> you know, then you're not going to have an economic engine. And what Cal says is figure out what your economic engine and then figure out if you're passionate about it. And he also says you're not going to figure out your purpose tonight. It's going to take you five, six, seven years. It'll emerge over time. Yeah. As, as you do the work. Yeah. So. Right. As you do the work, you'll go, oh, I like doing this. This is what makes me happy. And like even today, you know, when people say, Gerald, what makes you happy? You know, I tell people saving lives makes me happy. I donate blood. I work blood drives. I uh, hike for cystic fibrosis. You're generous enough to support me on that way. And I raise money for them. And I help people in ways that, you know, most people don't because that's what I'm about. I'm trying to be, make people happy and it'd be helpful. So you can be helpful and like, you could be a blood donor all for your whole life and say that's your purpose. But at the end of the day, what so good says is you're not going to get paid you can't make a successful living donating your blood for free every two months so you have to have some mechanism to make money so you can have healthy blood and a healthy lifestyle so your blood is good enough to be used in a transfusion and to be to to donate it every two months so that's why i like so good because he talks about you know if you don't put the ten thousand hours in you're just not going to get that good at it and if you're not good at it you're not going to be able to create value and then you you're just going to be average so that's really important that you figure yeah, yeah if it takes you five years to figure out what you're good at you know cal says that's what you should be doing and you know if you think if you go back to stephen covey so once you write your mission statement in covey you know, Covey's whole purpose, begin with the end in mind, is when you're dead, this is what people will put on your tombstone because you spent a lifetime doing it. Right. So, you know, Covey doesn't say write a mission statement and it's done. He's like, no, write a mission statement and then follow it and then start that path. And so that's how it comes. And so good says, yeah, get on that path and figure out what is valuable to other people on that path so that you can have an economic engine. And I think both Covey and uh, Newport sort of point the way to points that Carol Dweck and and Angela Duckworth are going to make, even though I'm obviously not following chronological order in in saying that, because I think Cal's was the most recent out of uh, all of those books. But but it is this idea that um, you invest in, in doing the work and becoming better and better to, you know, and, and the even though Covey says, you know, start with the end in mind, it's not like the end is actually crystal clear. I mean, it's still sort of shaping as you invest in, in the work over time and, and, and it emerges. And, and, and I think in Cal Newport's world, as you do the work and become better and better at the work, you have that economic engine, you have the control um, that he talks about, the, the autonomy that's related to your work. The passion starts to emerge from that. But I think underlying both of those is the idea that that's possible. If you're not necessarily born with enormous talent or genius, as uh, Angela Duckworth would put it, you don't necessarily know what your passion is right out of the gate. You can do the work and get yourself to the point where you become who you're going to value in life. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm 
trying to, I guess, segue us towards Dweck here because, you know, Carol Dweck's position is there's this growth mindset and there's this fixed mindset and in, in her book, uh, Mindset, that's kind of at the core of it. And people with a fixed mindset are not necessarily going to believe that if they invest in, in doing the work and doing it well, doing it effectively, getting that high quality practice in every time, that they're going to be able to learn and grow and develop and achieve what they want to in life. They, they feel like their abilities are fixed from the very beginning, where somebody who has a growth mindset may say, you know, I don't necessarily know what my passion is right now. Don't necessarily know what my purpose is right now. I don't know if I'm a huge talent or a genius in, in anything, but I know if I focus and if I do the work and I have that sort of craftsman-like mindset and develop good habits over time, good things are going to happen. That's spot on. And, you know, this whole thing is, is all about, well, how do I reach a certain, I mean, no, most people, right? Most people, the middle of the bell curve, it takes 10, 15 years to get up the corporate ladder, whatever ladder it is, whether you're jumping from one business to another, whether you're jumping from one industry sector to another sector, and you're leveraging those skills, there's always got to be a set of habits. There's a, there's a core set of habits in the marketplace that you got to have, regardless of which market you're in. You know, it's definitely... I mean, my mission statement was, you know, two sentences, and now I have like 30 different rules that I follow in the rules of life. And the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset is you have to you have to be open to seeing the upside potential and then evaluating the risk. And, you know, what do you do? What, how do you make that good calculation? And how do you deal with it, you know, when you finish with it? And, you know, you can see, you know, group when you're dealing with people that have group think, that's a fixed mindset, right? You just go, oh, my God, this is a group think environment. And I don't want to be here because they can't see the upside. And, you know, every anybody that can't see the upside is going to fail or they're going to plateau out and they're not going to get. I mean, Cisco is a good example of a company that's plateaued out, right? They can't go any further. IBM has plateaued out. They really haven't figured out where they're going next and what they're doing next. So having this growth, other than a growing market share, which is pretty simplistic, right? They're, growing market share is not going to get in, in Cisco and IBM's world. They're not going to be able to, to make those jumps because they're not innovative enough and they don't, they don't have a growth mindset in their organization. It's funny. I had not thought of that thought of it in that way before the group think is kind of the the fixed mindset of an organization that that's good nugget to take away here let's um touch on angela duckworth and, and grit um then briefly and, and i mean so many of the the themes that we've talked about so far obviously are, are there in grit as well she's very focused though on i, I guess i would characterize it as, as perseverance and if you persevere, that that tends to you know compound uh, over time. Again, you know, good things happen when you essentially do the work. Uh, I guess this is what it comes down to. How do, how do you think about grit and Angela Duckworth? So Angela Duckworth and Carol Dweck in mindset, they both kind of anchor on a quote I heard from a friend in Toastmasters, and I don't know if he came up with it originally or if he stole it from somebody, but he said, "Hard work beats talent till talent works hard." Right. So you can have talent, but if you don't. You know, if you don't actually put the hard work behind it, you're just not going to get there. And Angela Duckworth is all about, okay, so you know where you're going. You know the growth opportunity from the mindset, right? And you're willing to go. I mean, mindset is kind of like, I'm going to take the path that nobody's been on because maybe that's where the solution is, right? So you go down the path and next thing you know, it, you got obstacles in your way and 
And Angela Duckworth is like, well, you're going to have these obstacles and you're going to have to come overcome them. And you're going to dig down. And again, if you have your mission statement and you know and you're good at it, you're not going to worry about the tripping. You're not going to worry about the mistakes you make. You're not going to worry about you're going to see. And so the grit and mindset kind of work hand in hand because, you know, you're going to grow from your mistakes. You don't worry about the mistakes. And as you, you know, what guys like you and me and people like you and me that do all this learning about, you know, how to have the right habits, we've learned to say, oops, I made a mistake. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. We, we've learned how to practice in safe environments so that we get it right. So we can go into environments that are not safe and not make the mistakes. So we know where to test new material. We know where to test new ideas. We know what to look for. And then we turn around and say, okay, let's, now we can try it in uncharted waters. And that's because we have the growth mindset because we have the grit not to give up. So we keep going. In today's world, you know, they really got to have grit. They really have to see the growth opportunities because if they don't sense that their companies are doing well, they're going to be stuck, right? And they're going to get lost. And if they don't have the grit to say, I got to change. And if they don't have the grit to keep learning and to stay ahead of the competition, or if they don't have the grit to say, I'm comfortable doing what I do at this market price, because it lets me be a great father. It lets me be a great wife. lets me be a great dad lets me be a great husband. It lets me have a great family life. And that's my mission. I want to be so good that people say, wow, I wish I had a wonderful family like you do with the right economic balance to make sure it all comes together. Then that's what you do. You got grit as part of having that sacrifice to say, I got to do well. I remember uh, do well to, you know, cover my economic base and my economic, my, my costs to live. And then I can, you know, do, move on to the other stuff. And I think that's really important. Most people don't realize that because, you know, they want work, they want to work and they want to do it well and they want to be compensated fairly, but they don't realize. Uh, I was listening to a podcast by Indra Nui a couple of weeks ago, and Anne Marie Slara wrote an article called uh, "You Can't Have It All." And initially, it was written for women because, you know, the the ability to compensate women uh, and for women to get to the top was really hard. But now it's really it's it doesn't matter what sex you are. Getting to the top and having it all is going to be really, really tough. So that's sort of a very quick, you know, high level tour of these four books. And, and we're clearly seeing themes that emerge here around doing the work, continually learning, believing you can learn and trusting that as, as you in, invest in doing the work well, that the, the purpose, the, the, the passion are going to emerge. And as I said earlier, good, good stuff is, is going to happen. There, there's kind of that sort of common theme throughout these. I'm wondering how you make use of these books or how you might recommend listeners make use of these books. I mean, is this something where you will go back and reread uh, all four of them every few years? Do you just kind of dip in and out of you know, one or the other at, at different times? Like how do these actually factor into your own life and, and your own career so that you're continuing to get value out of them? Mm. So I have, so with seven habits, I have my mission statement. So I know who I am. Uh, I'm comfortable with who I am. And I, you, you might remember me saying this before. I don't care if other people don't like me because 
I'm happy with who I are and not everybody's going to like me. So I don't worry about it that way. And I know I'm on my mission. I know I'm on my path and I know my path keeps me happy. I know what makes me good. And I know that the people that don't ignore me are getting value from me. So I had a meeting with a client the other day and I didn't even have to ask him this. He just said to me at the end of the meeting, Gerald, this was the best meeting of the day. It made my day. It made me happy. And this is the best presentation you've ever made for me. Right. So when you get that kind of compliment from a CEO, you're just like, wow, that's really good. And you, you know, you're, you're clicking and you know, you're creating value and you know, they're not ignoring you. And so then the upside is with mindset, I know I have a growth, being able to see people that have growth mindsets versus fixed mindsets means if I see somebody with a fixed mindset, I tend to say, okay, I'm not going to waste my time on them. Or if they, if they're not interested in learning about growing, then I'm going to try to, you know, I'll, I know this is not going to be a fit or, and I'll try to help them. But I can just see it again. It's just like, you know, anything else we see gas prices going up. We have to know we have to change our driving habits. So it's all about the mindset, right? We know we have to adapt. So that knowing that we can adapt and looking for the upside versus the negative is really important. And then with grit, it's not giving up. Right. And I know I always, I always tell my clients, you know, don't give up, keep going. You, you know, you got to overcome these things. You got to look for answers, you, you got to find different solutions. If you want to get to the top, you got to, you, you can't give up and you're not going to give up on something that you're so good at and you love doing it. If you love doing it, you're not going to give, give it up. So that's where you just keep trying and keep trying until you find the right combination. Well, I'll say again that the the four specific books that we have been talking about here, just so hopefully listeners will Consider if you haven't read these, reading them for the first time or read the ones that you haven't read uh, for the first time. If you have read them, considering revisiting them, maybe, you know, uh, carving out some time to reread all four of them over some period of time. But it's been The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey, So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport, Mindset by Carol Dweck, and Grit by Angela Duckworth. And of course, those are all widely available in all sorts of um, formats. Even though we're talking audio right now, I do actually recommend getting them in either a print or, or maybe a Kindle version so that you can interact with the, the, the text in the way that uh, we were talking uh, about or, or have talked about in, in this podcast. Though, of course, I think also having the, the audio component too. I love it now that I can sort of dip in and out of audio and, and text and kind of go back and forth at different times, just depending on, you know, what my needs are. But I agree with you, Gerald, that these are, these are four classics, certainly great ones to, to have in your, I used to always talk about sort of my golden bookshelf of, of books that, you know, really are important to me from a career standpoint and a lifelong learning standpoint. I think that these are, these are four very good books um, to have. Gerald Bonner is co-founder and managing director of Corralling Chaos. You can find links to the Corralling Chaos website and Gerald's profile on LinkedIn in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 314. And Gerald would love to connect with podcast listeners on LinkedIn. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 314, you'll also see options for subscribing to the podcast. We'd be grateful if you would subscribe if you haven't yet, as subscriptions give us some data on the impact of the podcast. We'd also be grateful if you would rate us on Apple Podcasts, especially if you find the Leading Learning Podcast valuable. 
Jeff and I personally would appreciate it. And those reviews and ratings help us show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple to leave a rating. Lastly, please spread the word about Leading Learning. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 314, there are links to find Leading Learning on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. <music>